Good morning, it's Money Talk. It's 16 minutes past eight and let's move to our discussion and uh, let's welcome to the show, as normal, on a Friday, uh, it's Andrew Ferris, uh, CEO, Ecognosis Advisory. Good morning, Andrew. Oh, don't think we've got Andrew at the moment. Uh, let's see whether we can get hold of him. But in the meantime, uh, let's say uh, hello and uh, good evening to uh, Ben Emmons, uh, who is Principal and Senior Portfolio Manager at New Edge Wealth in the US. Uh, good morning. Good evening, Ben. Good morning, Andrew. It's good to be back on the show. Uh, nice to have you on, Ben. And uh, I guess let's start with uh, what's been happening this week in the US. And of course, uh, the uh, the Fed uh, putting up uh, the uh, um, interest rates again. And some good news that perhaps that the US economy grew faster than expected in the second quarter. Uh, GDP up to 2.4%. Uh, US jobless claims falling. What, what are your thoughts around those stories at the moment, Ben? Yeah, it was an interesting combination, uh, Andrew, because, you know, as the Fed came out saying that they're now totally data dependent, you know, the uh, maximum optionality, as they would say, right, to keep at every meeting, there's an assessment from all the data that has come out, and then make a decision. Well, you could say that the start of that, that, that uh, period now that we're in of data dependence starts off well, right? We have stronger GDP, we have stronger durable goods orders, we have lower jobless claims, and if you drill into the GDP data, it really shows what the Infrastructure Act and CHIPS Act and the Inflation Reduction Act are doing to the U.S. economy. It's increasing uh, capital expenditures, it's increasing fixed investment, and this is what, why the U.S. economy is so resilient on top of that, yeah, the consumer is doing well because they have a very tight labor market. So, Joe Powell yesterday wasn't, in my view, dovish, really, even though the market seemed to be interpreting it that way. He was really saying, look, this is a strong economy. We keep all our options open. If the economy continues to show the strength and inflation doesn't decline enough, we can hike again. So today's data showed that, well, they have a reason in September to hike again. Interesting stuff. Uh, we might uh, get a chance to see whether we can call you back, Ben, because the line is uh, is pretty bad and we can only just hear you. But we do have on the line uh, Andrew Ferris. Andrew uh, is CEO of Ecognosis uh, Advisory. Andrew, your thoughts after the Fed's uh, interest rate rise this week? Yeah, I'm actually appalled. <clears throat> I'm actually appalled with the idea that the market thought that the power was dovish. He was not. I quote, we do not see ourselves getting inflation back to 2% until 2025. Now, this does not mean that he's going to carry on raising interest rates till 2025, but it does mean that he's not going to cut interest rates either. So we could okay. see them, them sitting there for, for quite some time, is what you're saying, thank Andrew. You, and thank you. And if I was to count this, count it. Uh, I wanted to like to do a sort of a Robert De Niro kind of point in my eyes and my lips. Okay, read me. That means... 24 to 28 months of the interest rates we're having now. Hello? Uh. Is that bullish? <laughs> I guess not. Okay, so the market... So what will sense, you do, do you think? What? Sorry. Assuming that there is no reason to disbelieve that that's what they're going to do. They say we're carrying on looking at, uh, at data, but I was absolutely stunned that she says we don't see 2% until 2025. Mm. Good God. Yeah, that's what he's going to do. 
he will sit and looking at inflation that uh, either will be falling to or it will be coming down slowly or it will fluctuate in around 2%. And when they thought that they've got it under control, then they will stop increasing. They are not going to start cutting. Okay, it cannot be made any, any, any clearer than that. So I took my deep breath and I said, this is not good for equities. As simple as that. I mean, is the U.S. and perhaps the Western world obsessing with inflation at the moment, uh, yes, Andrew? Absolutely, absolutely. It is so ethnocentric, it isn't true. There, I was going to say there are only two places, but it is important if we were to take the four biggest economies in the world, United States and Europe do have an inflation problem. Okay, in the sense that uh, uh, even now in the European Union, inflation is at about 5%. In the United States, it came down very sharply, okay, from 6 to 3%. But China has got a deflation problem. And Japan says we are not doing anything to not to loosen monetary, not to strict, put in stricter monetary policy till we are sure that our inflation is at 2%. So two out of the four biggest economies in the world do not read my lips, do not have an inflation problem. Far from it. Uh, ben Emmons is back uh, with us. Uh, ben, we were talking about the um, uh, the U.S. market a few moments ago, and Andrew there talking about you know the the different uh, inflation situation in Asia and beyond. What, what is your view from the U.S.? How do you see those differences between the U.S. and, uh, if you like, those Asian economies which uh, are not so worried about inflation? I think the Asian economies are still coming out of the pandemic um, in a later stage than the U.S. is. So it takes time for the services sector in Asia to really pick up in pace because that's really what's driving our inflation still here today. And as we came out of the pandemic faster and, and, and earlier, the services sector has only strengthened since. And as I said to, to the, in the previous segment, uh, the line wasn't good. Hopefully it's better now. Um, you know, we also have fiscal stimulus currently in the U.S. economy that's keeping the economy in, in, in a good shape. As I mentioned, the GDP data shows increased in fixed investment spending and capital expenditure and even real estate investment. So it's part of consumption, right, and part of services. That's maybe not so much playing in, in Asia at this moment. So our inflation rate is really driven by services, whereas I think in Asia it's still about recovering from that pandemic, trying to get the service sector really back online. Most, most vivid is that scene in, in, uh, in China, right, where they're struggling to get the service sector really starting. How about Europe? Um, is, it, is it stuck in the middle? The uh, ECB raising interest rates for the ninth consecutive uh, time overnight. Ben, what's your, what's your view on that? Yeah, the ECB follows sort of what the Fed has done over the past year. And so it's, it's a bit, it's still in this stage where it wants to bring its um, it rate up as high as the Fed or closer to that to say that they then are restrictive, so that they are too really uh, sure that inflation comes down to 2% over the course of, um, of, of, of the year. And that's, I think, where the ECB is currently still challenged at. I mean, as much as the, Euro, the Eurozone economy looks like in, to be in, in a in partially recession, at least in Germany is what it looks like, um, they do deal with, with high inflation there, higher than ours than in the United States. 
uh, still very much affected by what's happening in Ukraine, given that Russia stepped out of the Ukraine uh, grain deal, uh, that again will affect Eurozone inflation a bit quicker than, than, than in the United States. So, you know, the ECB will be, as the Fed, data dependent, as they said today, but they cannot really relent much of anything. They, you know, if, if anything, they, they probably have to hike several times still to be really restrictive in market policy. Andrew, you're in uh, in Prague in Europe at the moment. Uh, what, what's the feeling on the street there? Are you, what, what vibes are you getting about the, uh, the current state of play? Quite frankly, uh, a little bit of standing difference because right now Europe is dealing with a completely different problem and I'm also absolutely appalled that the markets are totally ignoring that and that is the climate change that came to really bite and bite us hard. And in December, we're going to have the 28th COP meeting in Dubai, and uh, uh, the outlook looks straight out of the Tibetan Book of the Dead. In other words, interest rates really right now should be in the lowest part of our of our concerns. Okay, we are having real strong evidence of what really happens if uh, we don't get our acts together, and the climate science telling us even if we do. This is not going to avert a disaster by the year 50. I'm sorry, I sound very gloomy, but you're asking me what Europeans are thinking right now. And I can tell you, to my little point of view, and especially in the Czech Republic, which is not in the center, so to speak, of the financial storm, okay, weather is much, much more important consideration, let alone Greece, where I was there about uh, three days ago, which is really, really sees what, uh, what climate warming is about. July was the hottest month ever in the world. Okay, well, if that's not something that the market should be looking at, I have no idea what it should be. Certainly. And there is, a lot of things, there is a lot of things that can be bought. Incidentally, money can be made out of climate. I'm not simply saying that we should all, you know, wail and uh, gnash our teeth and say we're all going to die. There is money to be made out of the involving, out of the evolving climate situation. Well, it would be interesting to hear a bit more detail about, uh, you know, how that money could be made. And, you know, I could also say to you, Andrew, uh, what stocks to buy at the moment? I know what you're going to tell me. It's defence stocks. But if you took def- <laughs> if you took defence stocks out of the equation, what other things are out there that you're looking at no, that, the, at the moment? The whole, the whole green sector energy on which China is absolutely in the, in the centre. In other words, anything that removes fuel, uh, sorry, sorry, removes uh, fossil fuels. Uh, and this is this is far from uh, from uh, what has been happening. But somehow the obsession is on interest rates. Okay, the obsession should be: what do companies that are making green energy are doing? Are they investable? Are they directing themselves uh, in the in the right direction? And of course, pay much closer attention to what's happening in China. And incidentally. China's climate policy are not exactly at the top of the class, okay, because they have gone big time back into using coal for good reasons in inverted commas as far as their energy uh, security is concerned, but bad as far as climate is concerned. So lots to discuss. In other words, I would have expected that during June and July, the markets would have said, yeah, 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 higher interest rates now. Let's really concentrate how we can make money out of the developing climate disaster.
Well, we will just return very quickly, Ben, to uh, interest rates. And the Bank of Japan faces a decision today over whether to take another step towards phasing out its controversial yield control program. Just before we go to the news, what are your quick thoughts on that, Ben? Yeah, it's very interesting to see that the Nikkei floats this out there, whereas Ueda, the Bank of Japan governor, diffused that speculation about a week ago. And that was very clear language on his part. So why did Nikkei is floating this this discussion uh, being you know happening at the BOJ about YCC? Why they're floating it out there? That's interesting because if you take us a year ago, that's what the Wall Street Journal did with the Federal Reserve back then. They they floated out that the Fed could hike by 50 basis points. So my guess is that that this is a serious discussion going on about UCF control, that they see inflation, and inflation data just came out this evening again, hotter, that they do look at this saying we have to make a first step, and they want to be careful, but they also know that at some point they have to just signal it. And I think this is why the Nikkei was used uh, to signal that to markets. Mm to give the yen a little boost here, right, and try to have some of that speculative short positioning initially a little bit squared and then see if they can say more about it as the press conference goes on. Because my guess is that's what Ueda will do. He will try to highlight a bit in the press conference, right. like he did in, in Sintra, in Sintra uh, you know, panel. So that's my take on it. I think they will not put out a formal statement tonight, but I think Ueda will address it in the press conference as Nikkei has, you know, Floated the, yeah. the news out there. <laughs> ben, thank you very much. Ben Imman's uh, principal and senior portfolio manager at New Edge Wealth. Also, thanks to Andrew Ferris, CEO, eCognosis Advisory.